research by Harvard Business Review has found that we check our email an average of 57 times a day. And it's automatic, right? It's like the, the notification pops up and we think, oh, I'll just go check the email, right? And then all of a sudden, we're down the, the rabbit hole of emails. How often do you find yourself saying, I just don't have time? What if I told you you could create two hours of extra time every day? Talking us through some strategies for increasing productivity, managing stress, and living a happier life is coach and author Stephanie Berryman. In this episode, we're talking about the neuroscience around productivity and building habits and how to implement systems into our daily lives so we can get more done. We're going to break down the idea of what being successful actually means for each of us individually and how to design your life so the way you spend your time is on your terms. Hey, Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to talk about some strategies for reducing stress and finding more time in the day. And I first want to ask you, what was that triggering point for you when you realized you needed some kind of system or some kind of better strategy to have more time in your own life? Well, you know, I think I've had a few different points throughout my life, but the the big kind of aha moment came for me after I had kids, because I'd always been really clear that I wanted to work part-time when I had kids, that I could parent and, you know, be present for them. And I managed to negotiate that I would only have two days a week at my job. But then someone asked me if I wanted to teach night courses at the university on leadership. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. And then a couple of companies asked if I would consult on leadership development. And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. And all of a sudden I was working more than full time and I was cranky and I was exhausted and I was not being the kind of parent that I wanted to be. And I realized that I was just really caught up in doing, doing, doing. And I loved the feeling of the accomplishment of work, but I was missing out on like some of the sweetness. And, you know, I just, I wasn't as connected to my kids as I wanted to be. I wasn't as connected to my husband. I didn't, you know, I was like making phone calls to friends and family from the playground or driving to and from work. And I was like, this is not what life is about, right? Like I, I know that relationships are absolutely the most important thing in our lives. And it's what makes us happiest and it's what carries us through the tough times so I really realized I need to focus on my relationships and take a bit of a step back from work so that I can be more present in my relationships and have stronger relationships yeah definitely so what was the first step for you where did you look for to get some ideas around managing your work-life balance a bit better Well, it was funny because I, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher. I love researching. So I decided I was going to go out and do all this research. So, you know, I would research increasing productivity or better time management. And honestly, like the stuff that came up was either so fluffy that it just, it didn't make sense. You know, it was like, I can't even, you know, celebrate your wins. Well, what does that mean? Right? Like, actually, you got to dig down into things or it was just, like weird and off the wall and it would take more work to implement. So I really, I spent probably a couple months when I was working on my book, doing real research into the neuroscience of how our brains work and how to be more efficient 
And that was a game changer for me because it was really simple, practical stuff mm -hmm. that I could do, which meant I didn't have to give up a lot of the work that I loved. I just got a lot better at doing it. Mm -hmm. right? I got way more efficient at doing it so that instead of, you know, putting my kids to bed and then working for three or four hours afterwards, going to bed exhausted, waking up the next day exhausted, I was, I'd get all my work done by four and then I'd have tons of time for my family and my friends in the evening. That's awesome. I think the phrase, I don't have time, we can all recall saying that even in the last 24 hours, just it feels like there is never enough time in the day. How do you feel about that phrase now that you have all these strategies to implement to finish work at four, which sounds amazing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel for people who use that phrase and I definitely was someone for a long time who didn't have time. And I, I think we're all really time crunched. So I get it. Like when someone says, I just don't have time for that. I'm like, I get it hundred percent. But you know what? If you don't change what you're doing, you're going to keep getting the same results. So if you just spend, you know, a couple hours learning some strategies and shifting the way you do things, you'll get more time. But if you just keep saying, I don't have time, then you're never going to have time. Like things are never going to change for you. Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about what some of these time creating strategies are? Absolutely. Yes. I, I just, like I said, I did a ton of research for the book and then I realized that people, they read the book and they think great idea, but then they don't actually do it. So I just created a course to really get people using a system. So these are all, I'm super excited about sharing them with people and getting them out into the world. So, you know, one of the biggest things we all know it, but it's hard to do and to follow through on is if you turn off your phone and turn off your notifications on your computer while you're working, you can easily save up to four hours a day. So research by Harvard Business Review has found that we check our email an average of 57 times a day, Whoa. which costs us up to 2.6 hours a day. And it's automatic, right? It's like the, the notification pops up and we think, oh, I'll just go check the email, right? And then all of a sudden, we're down the, the rabbit hole of emails. Mm. So I just think if, if there is a way that you can turn off your notifications, set yourself, you know, what I like to do is I set myself like half an hour in the morning, half an hour right after lunch and half an hour just before I finish work to just check in on the emails, because trust me, everyone can wait two hours for a response. So that's a huge way to, to save time is just to turn off your notifications. The other reason it's really important is because research has found, research out of NASA, they found that people who interrupt tasks, right? So you're working on something and then you go to check your email or your phone pings with a text or even a self-distraction, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm kind of bored of this. I'm going to check social media. It takes 25 minutes to get back to your original task and you're way more frustrated and stressed out because of the interruptions. Mm -hmm. So if you can set up systems so that you're not switching tasks, right? So turning off your notifications, shutting off your phone, actually putting it out of your sight, it can, that can save you. They found that'll save you up to two and a half hours a day just by not doing that task switching. And of course it also reduces your stress. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> And there was one other one that I wanted to share too, 
which is just, and I know it's hard, but if you can remove social media from your phone, mm-hmm. the research has found that we're spending two hours, an average of two hours a day on our phones and on social media. And I just removed Facebook from my phone and it has been a game changer because, <laughs> you know, the unfortunate reality is that we're addicted to some of these things, right? We get the dopamine hit from the likes and the connections on social media. But if we can at least limit our time on it, it can make a huge difference. So if you think about even just the three things I've said, right? If you turn off your notifications, that saves you at least two hours a day. If you uh, stop task switching, right? And put your phone away, that saves you two and a half hours a day. And if you stop social media, that saves you two hours a day. And one of the things that I ask my clients to do is if you go into your phone, it gives you all the data you can see, mm-hmm. right? Your screen time, you can see how much time did I spend on social media? How much time did I spend checking email? How many times did I pick up my phone? And that is, I found when I first did that, I found it a game changer. Cause I was like, when I read the research, oh, you check your email 57 times a day. Some one research study out of Harvard Business Review said that pe- some people pick up their phones up to 2,600 times a day, which I just had, I could not believe. Like how, what do you, you know, how can you do that anyway? So, but what I, I went in and looked at my pickups and I was averaging 60 to 70 pickups a day, a day, even if I'm only on the phone for a minute, there goes an hour. Mm -hmm. So I just think we're, we are, we're, we're sucked into the world of the phone and the world of distraction. But if you can put some systems in place to stop it and even turning your notifications off will make a huge difference Mm -hmm. in just stopping that task switching and that interruption. Yeah. I'm nervous to look at what my daughter is saying now uh-huh. because I know it's going to be up there. <laughs> but do it because it that, that I think is what will get you to change behavior, right? When you realize, oh, you know, and I also, before I took Facebook off my phone, I set myself a screen time limit on social media, right? So I had a 45 minute limit and it just would pop up and it would say, you've been on for 45 minutes did you want to turn this off? Do you want to, and then you can make a conscious decision instead of like scrolling for three hours late at night. Cause you're exhausted and you got, you know, you don't have that self-control at that point. Mm, yeah. No, that's a really good strategy to use. What about for people and this is myself included who are trying to grow our social presence to grow our business and you end up here, Oh, I'll just go on and do this post and I'll just go on and I'll interact with blah, 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 blah. Would you recommend to maybe time block this task as if you would time block any other task in your everyday workflow? That is exactly what I would recommend. So it's the same thing with the emails, right? So maybe, you know, maybe for you, the emails aren't quite the thing. So it's like, all right, in the morning, half an hour on this, right after lunch, half an hour, and then just before the end of the day, half an hour, because otherwise it becomes the whole day and it's back and forth and it's interrupting some of that focused and concentrated work that you also really need to do to be effective, right? The content that you're putting out, you need to be focused on it and really dive deep in order for it to be meaningful. And if you're always back and forth, it's really hard to get into that mindset. Mm. And I think, you know, I, the problem with, and I'm in the same boat, right? I'm doing posts on social media and I'm putting videos out. The problem is once you're in there, it's really easy to get sucked into all the rest of, oh, I'll just check that group. Oh, look at what that person's doing. Oh, look at that link. It's so easy. So I think if you, if you look at it, like for me, I look at it as 
it's it's not on my phone. I actually have to go on my computer to do it all, which feels more like work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am here for half an hour to respond to comments, to post, to set up my ad, to do whatever I'm doing. And then I'm out <laughs> and I'm back to whatever the next step is. And it becomes a work task as opposed to a an all day, every day, going to keep checking in. Yeah. It's so easy to just fall down the rabbit hole. And like you said, you just check this group, check that group because it's designed to be addictive and keep you on there. That's their whole goal is to keep you on the platform for as long as possible. So is it really just about being disciplined and keeping to your time blocks with that kind of thing? It is. And I think, you know, you mentioned being disciplined, right? Which is something <laughs> that so many of us struggle with. And I actually set myself an alarm. So at 30 minutes, the little alarm goes off because we actually run out of self-discipline. That's one of the things that I learned when I was doing all the research on neuroscience is we have limited amounts of willpower mm -hmm. and self-discipline. And unfortunately, we tend to rely on them to help us make changes or, you know, do things differently. But if we can rely on systems, it makes it much easier. So I have my little timer that just goes off because that's, if I rely on my self-discipline, I can probably do that the first two times. But then at the end of the day, when I've run out of self-discipline, I'm like, oh, look at that shiny object. I'll, you know, go and play with that for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is another really good idea just to keep, <laughs> keep on top of that. Keep on those reminders. Once you've eliminated distractions and notifications, do you have any other strategies to keep on task when you're maybe doing one of the more mundane tasks that you have in your work to actually keep that focus? And, you know, especially working from home, I think it can also be easy to get distracted by I'll put the washing on or things like that <laughs> so how do you keep on to the tasks that you really need to be doing absolutely well one of my favorite strategies that I again I learned it when I was doing the research and I get all my clients to do it is to identify your top three priorities every day because I think it is so easy. We're so easily distracted. And as you say, now we've got all the great distractions of home right at our fingertips too. So to really get clear on what your top three priorities are and to work on those early in the day when your brain is fresh, because research has also found that we run out of the ability to make decisions mm. and the ability to focus and concentrate. So I would save your mundane tasks for later in the day, because you don't necessarily need your brain power in the same way. But really, in that first hour of your day before you even check your email, and I know that this is like, so hard for most people, right? Before you check your email, or your social media, or any of that stuff, if you can work on your top three priorities, you will get so much more done because your brain is fresh, you've got the ability to concentrate, you've got the ability to make decisions. You some of my clients, and it's been the case for me as well, have like doubled and tripled their productivity just by scheduling that hour in before checking and dealing with the, the emails and, and the, the things that use up your brain power, but don't necessarily warrant using it up. Yeah. Awesome. Do you think as well, it can be easy when you're writing to-do lists to be over-optimistic about what you can get done in one day? compared to what you can get done across the whole week or the whole month and just become so overwhelmed that that in itself kind of kills the productivity. Absolutely. So, you know, I 
I really, I used to be guilty of that, right? I am so optimistic about everything that I can get done. So what I really do now is I set my goals for every day as totally achievable goals. My top three priorities are things that I know that I'm going to be able to check off at the end of the day. And research has also found if you do actually write them out and check them off at the end of the day, you get a little dopamine hit because you've, you know, that's like the brain chemical that's like, oh, I got stuff done. And when you celebrate it, like even, you know, at dinner, I might say like, oh, I got this done with just something little, it actually hardwires your brain for success. It's like, oh, I've had success and I'm motivated and I'm getting stuff done. And it sets you up for more success the next day. And on the note of like, yeah, kind of being overly ambitious, what I really like to do and suggest to clients to do is that you do a monthly, look at what your monthly priorities are and then chunk that down into tasks and also schedule your tasks, not just by the amount of time they're gonna take, but by the kind of energy they take. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very different, you know, for me, for example, like when I'm coaching, that's a very different kind of energy because I'm interacting with another person and I'm engaging and I'm really concentrating on them. That's very different than when I'm sending out invoices. So I schedule my coaching usually in the mornings, not first thing in the morning, because I'm not that awake yet, but you know, around 10 or 11. And then I do, as I said, some of that more mundane work towards the end of the day. Mm, That's a really good point because you know, you could say, for example, you're coaching even for an hour, but it would take so much more mental energy that we might not even put that much value on. You don't realize that it's actually draining us that much compared to, like you said, doing the invoices and stuff like that. And, and I think you're so right that we don't, we don't think about it. We never think about scheduling tasks by energy. We're just mm. like, okay, I need to do this here. I need, you know, I've got this meeting here. I got this meeting there. And sometimes you can't control when your meetings are, when, you know, certain things need to be done. But the other thing that I've learned from the research, which has been a game changer for me and something that I refused to do for years is taking breaks. Mm -hmm. So this is based on the neuroscience, right? So remember I was saying that we run out of of our ability to concentrate, to make decisions, to focus, self-control. All of those things can get recharged if we take a break. So if, you know, for me, I used to schedule all my coaching sessions back to back to back. I'd schedule teaching and then coach. It's like, no, just give yourself a 10 minute break. They, they, the research has found people who are the most productive schedule a break every 90 to 120 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I resisted this for years because I was too busy to take a break, too busy, too busy. And then when I started using this, I like, I felt like an idiot for not having done it for so many years because you actually get so much more done and you're so much more relaxed and you're re-energized. Like it is incredible. I, when I wrote my book, I was working full-time, parenting full-time, and I wrote that book in six months and I wasn't stressed out by it because I was taking breaks as I went through the day. It was incredible. It's game changer. And I have so many clients that are also resistant to it. And then once they try it, they're like, oh, wow. So really encourage, take a break, just try it for a week, every 90 to 120 minutes it will recharge your energy. You'll get so much more done. Mm, That is awesome. I'm also guilty of that back to back to back scheduling. (laughs) Do you also find now having, you say you finished work at four and then having the afternoon or the night off, not working constantly and those kind of longer breaks, does that help your productivity as well? 
Yes, absolutely. And you're on to it, right? You can see where we're heading here. And that all the research has found when you take a true break from work. So, you know, I know we're thinking about how do you become more productive? So it's counterintuitive, but spend less time working because it makes you more efficient. And absolutely, if you like, for me, like I said, I used to work till 11 or 12 every night. And then I get up the next day and I'd be exhausted. And my brain wasn't working as well. Now I'm done. At, I actually finish at three because my kids are done at three. and We don't have childcare set up right now. So I'm done at three. I hang with my kids for a couple hours. We have dinner. We have a nice evening and I get a great sleep. And the next morning I get most of my stuff done the first couple hours of the day because I've had that true break. Mm, mm, that's awesome. Can we talk a bit about managing stress? You know, really any kind of stress, but start with the stress that comes from feeling like we're too busy or can't get everything done. What are some ways that we can manage that better? Well, it's funny because I, you know, I was looking through the book before we met and one of my, uh, one of my chapters is called Take Action. And I think that that's such, it sounds so basic, but it is such a key piece in managing our stress because too often we say, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I just have to keep powering through but then nothing changes. You keep doing the same thing. You keep getting more stressed out. So what I really recommend to people is look at or look for and identify the source of your stress because it's going to be different for everyone, right? So look at like, what is causing me the most stress in my life right now? And what can I do differently? And, you know, in terms of that feeling of like being too busy and being too time crunched, that causes people a lot of stress. And there are a lot of things that are totally out of your control there, right? There's demands on you in life and in work that you just have to meet. But there are also things that you're doing that you can control and you can change. And that's where your power lies. So, you know, think about, am I saying yes to too many things? Am I overcommitting? Am I overly optimistic about what I can get done? Am I procrastinating on things I don't want to do? So I'm feeling a lot of stress and pressure. Am I not having... The difficult conversation or giving the difficult feedback because I'm terrified of it, but then I that's causing me so much stress. Like, what are the little things that are that you're doing that you can change and do a little bit differently so that the stress reduces? And the research has found that even if you don't get the results you're after, even taking action reduces your stress because it gives you your power back. I've worked with so many clients who come to me and they say, I've got this terrible boss or I've got these unrealistic workloads and there's nothing I can do about it. And then when we dig down into what their behaviors are and how they're showing up and how they're maybe not saying what they need to say to their manager or they're, you know, they're putting way too much pressure on themselves, then they realize there's always something you can do. And when you bring it back to yourself, you've got power in a situation again. So I really, really encourage people to look at and identify What's the source of my stress and where does my power lie? What are the different choices that I can be making here? Mm, that's awesome. You mentioned procrastination as well, and that is often a very big cause of stress. Where does procrastination come from? I think procrastination is as varied as the number of people in the world, right? There, there are some people who procrastinate because they honestly don't know what to do. They just, they, they, they don't know what to do or how to do it. And for those people, I think that like in that situation, it's really important to ask for help, to go get the information you need, to do the research, 
to then be able to do it. But there are other people that procrastinate because they don't want to do it. And I certainly, I have tasks that I hate doing. And I, I'm like, oh, invoicing, I hate that. So I, it's all, I'm always late. And then I'm not getting paid. And that, you know, it's not good, right? So it's like, I have realized, I'm like, I actually, now I treat it like, just eat, eat your, the vegetable you hate the most first. And then you can, you know, move on to the other stuff. So I actually try and, when I look at the things that, that I am procrastinating on, I'm like, just do it break it down into small chunks if it feels hard and just get to it because otherwise you, you do it. It hangs over you and you feel so stressed out and you're wasting time because usually when you're procrastinating, it's not like you're doing other really great work, right? You're like scrolling through social media, you're watching Netflix, you're doing anything but the thing you should be doing. Yeah, definitely. So your work also looks at creating more happiness in your life as well as being more productive. So what does this look like for you? Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's, you know, what I loved when I was doing the research for my book was I found this great research by Sean Aker that said happier people are 31% more productive and 23% less stressed just naturally. So I was like, great. All I have to do is get happier. I just have to help my clients get happier. That will do it, which, you know, is not always that easy. But there are a couple of really simple things that, that you can do every day. And it's certainly what I do every day. And it does build happiness. So the three kind of daily practices that I have are I start each morning doing a meditation. And this, is, this has been a challenging habit for me to build. But I feel like I'm finally in there. And it's because I'm using a system. So every morning I get out, I stumble to my meditation chair. And then I do just a 10 or 15 meditation. And it's actually, it's designed to create happiness in your body. So it's called a loving kindness meditation. And it really, like I come out of that meditation, just feeling happy and energized. So it's a really great way to start the day. And then during the day, I always take the opportunity to connect with at least one person that I care about and feel connected to. So, you know, the neuroscience says that's really good for happiness because you get that that hit of dopamine, right? In terms of the relationship and the connection, which is really good. And it's also really good for your productivity because when you have stronger relationships, you then get more uh, work done and more connection with people. And the Harvard, the Harvard Health Study, I don't know if you saw that one a few years ago, it came out and it found that people who live the longest, happiest lives, it's because of their relationships. That's the number one factor. So when I saw that, you know, as I said at the beginning, I'm like, I know relationships are important. So now I just, I intentionally take the opportunity to have one good relationship interaction every day. And then the other thing that I do is, and our whole family does it, is at dinner time we share three good things that have happened throughout the day. And this is based on research that Sean Aker shared in his book called The Happiness Advantage, where people who did this even for a week, they found six weeks later, they were happier, they were less stressed, and they were more productive. And it really is a way of rewiring our brains because our brains are, you know, frankly, the way we've survived, our brains are designed for to look for like risks and what's not going well. And I feel like, especially in these crazy pandemic, full on, whoa, what's happening in the world times, it is very easy for our brains to look for, seek out and focus on what's not going well, what's scary, what's not keeping us safe. So when we do and look for three good things that have happened every day it's actually retraining the brain to also look for what's good and what's making us happy and it's been phenomenal doing this especially you know our family's done it for probably three or four years 
but especially in this last year when things have been really tricky and there have been some hard days, every night we can still, everyone in my family can still always find three things to be grateful for and three good things that have happened throughout the day. That's awesome. I really love that. Actually, last episode, we talked about the idea of the upward spiral and then you can go into a downward spiral thinking about all the negative things. But when you actively practice, like you said, talking about the three things every day, even if it has been a really hard day, do you find that over time it becomes easier to find those good things every day because your brain is used to looking for it? Absolutely. And, you know, as you say, your brain is used to looking for it and you're building habits. And, you know, I've got a whole chapter in my book around building habits because everything that I've just talked about, you know, all of us are like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. But the reality is like, we have a lot of habits that some of them serve us really well, right? And some of them don't. And building the habit of looking for three good things every day, it's a happiness habit, right? And building a habit of gratitude. Like, I think the two are different. Because three good things you're really searching for, what happened today that was good, that made me happier. And then I also, I end every morning meditation with like, what do I feel really grateful for? And when you fill your body with feelings of gratitude, you can't be unhappy and grateful at the same time. Like you can only hold one thought and one feeling at the same time. So it's a really, really powerful practice. And as I said, they're habits and we've got habits of the downward spiral or habits of the upward spiral. And it's the more we can use systems to build habits, the easier it becomes to to follow those habits. Mm. I love the word systems as well. I have one of my quotes on the wall is a quote by James Clear from his book, Atomic Habits. And he says, we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems because you don't have the right systems in place, then you know, you're never going to be able to rise up to that goal. I think that's a really strong word to describe that. I love it. And I, I think it's so true. And I think for years, I struggled with trying to make big changes, relying on willpower. And then I realized if I could just put some systems in place, it, you know, that helps build the habit, right? And then the system is there. It's very easy for your brain to follow. It's very easy to get through your day using that system. Then I started using those with my clients and then like their results just took off because they're like, well, this is great. I don't have to think about it. I just do the next thing. And then the next thing. And at the end of the day, I've got, you know, I've saved hours of my day and I'm more energized. So the system builds the habit, which creates your life ultimately, right? Your habits really do determine what happens in your life. Absolutely. I think as well, it's important not to go, okay, I've got all these great new ideas now. Let's implement them all tomorrow. It's more about breaking it down to make it as easy as possible, at least to start doing these things. Because if it's not easy, then by day three, we're going to go back to the way we were. So breaking it down into micro tasks and micro habits, I think is also just so important to be able to implement these new things. Definitely. And, and I think doing the same thing over and over again, right, creating the habit or the system, like, I used to have this, I have like a little meditation chair and a collage. And so I'd, I'd set it up in like this really special corner in my office, right? And I made like, I made it really nice. And it was lovely. And my office is like down the hall from the bedroom. It never happened. I never, like, I never had a trigger 
to start meditating. But for me now, so when I put it into my bedroom, it was like, I see the meditation chair and that's my trigger, right? So it's like using those little tricks of, you know, habits or systems to just make it so easy for you to do that. You don't even have to think about it. It becomes like brushing your teeth. That is really good. Yeah. Make it so obvious. It's right in front of you. So your latest book, Working Well, that you've mentioned, you've got 12 strategies in there. Can you talk me through what some of those are? I know we've talked about a a few already, but what else could we look out for in that? Yeah, sure. Well, my first one, and you know, I've talked about this a little bit before, is really about taking control back and taking your power back by taking personal responsibility. So really looking at like, what are the different things that you can be doing? What are, how can you show up differently? And I, I give a lot of really specific strategies and even ways to have conversations in that chapter to really help people through it. You know, I've mentioned taking action and, and having difficult conversations. So I've actually, you know, a lot of the teaching that I do is around, you know, workplace relationships or workplace communication and challenging communication and dynamics. So I teach a model for delivering difficult feedback and really give people some tools on how to have those difficult conversations. Cause I think that causes us so much stress and people tend to avoid them because they're worried about them but it just then makes things worse. I also, I have, you know, one chapter is all about putting stress in perspective. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really like to ask myself when I'm starting to feel really stressed out about something is like, how much is this gonna matter to me in five years? Like how, you know, how big a deal is this really in the grand scheme of things? So I have a lot of just little tips and tools and strategies in there to really help put stress in perspective. And then I have a whole kind of couple chapters on like self-care and the really specific, you know, the things that seem so basic, like all the data around sleep. And, you know, like if we don't get enough sleep, how it impacts every aspect, like productivity and stress for sure, but also does negative impacts on our relationships and our health and our weight and our concentration, like so many things. So I really, I narrow it in. And, you know, one of the things that I do love about the book, and I've had such good feedback about the book is that at the end of every chapter, there's questions to consider and action items and next steps to take. So that's what I've really heard people say. They're like, whoa, when you ask that question, it really made me make, you know, take that next action step. And then I also, you know, I also help people look at, you know, I've got one chapter on notice your beliefs and behaviors. And, you know, I think, you know, with, you know, you, you, we were kind of talking at the beginning about, you know, people saying, well, I don't have enough time and I feel really time crunched. I think often our belief is, yeah, that makes me important, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm really super busy, that must mean that I'm important and I've got status. Instead of saying like, no, actually, let's question that belief. We live in a culture that says busy equals successful, but let's actually really look at that. And, you know, I had a coach a few years ago say to me, she said, people who own their time are successful, right? That's what success looks like. So really, I, I ask people to question their beliefs about work and about stress and about time and about how busy they are and give them some models for shifting some of the beliefs and the behaviors that go with the beliefs. Because of course, we've got behaviors that cause us stress and that, you know, waste our time. And yeah, I've got a lot of tools in there. I've got one around a chapter called Building Positive Working Relationships. And then chapter 10 is all about work with your brain. So that's all the neuroscience stuff that I have really learned about. Here's simple stuff you can do to work with your brain. Cause most of us unfortunately work against our brains. And then, as I mentioned, I've also got a chapter on, on how to create habits and actually breaking down 
like what a habit looks like. So the trigger, the routine, the reward, all those elements, because if we don't understand it, it becomes very hard to, to actually deal with and change our habits. Yeah, absolutely. Just one of them that stood out is definitely when you talked about being busy all the time, it's almost like a status symbol. And it sounds counterintuitive, but what you said about owning your time equals success, I think that is a really good takeaway. And it was a game changer for me when she said that, because I thought, oh yeah, I think especially as a consultant or someone who runs their own business, you probably feel like this too, right? If I'm busy, that means I'm doing well, right? If if I can book anybody for the next three months, I am in good shape. But then to actually slow it down and go, well, what, like, what do I want to be doing with that time? What, what does success actually mean to me? Right. And how do I live the life that I really want to live and use my time the way I really want to use it? Because that's ultimately what success is. And so I started to realize that for me, success could be saying no to a client so that I could take my kids away for a week. Right. Like that is another level of success. Mm, Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Look at what success really is to you and not what you think it should be necessarily. And it's hard to go against the grain. I, you know, I talk about that in my course. It's like you're living in this world where everybody thinks that, you know, being busy and being maxed out is a sign of success or, you know, that you should be checking your emails at 10 at night and you should be responding at five in the morning or six in the morning. And, you know, I really have worked with a lot of clients who are like, if I take a break at work, everyone is going to think that I'm a slacker. And then I say, great. You turn around and you tell them all about the research and why it's making you so much more effective. And you do this for two weeks and those people are going to be taking breaks too, because they're going to see how much more you're getting done and it works. Right. And when people see what works, they'll follow. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your biggest message that you want people to take away from this episode? Well, honestly, the life is short and, you know, I've, I have talked to so many clients, I think since the pandemic started, who have just been like, whoa, I need to make some different choices here because who knows what's around the corner. And so I just think your time is the most precious thing that you have. And it is the biggest gift that you can give to yourself and to the people that you love. And I promise you that at the end of your life, the way you spent your time and the way you spent your days is going to be so important to you. If there's going to be regrets, it'll be about how you spent your time. So now is an amazing opportunity, I think, because everybody is starting to question and to look at this and to do things differently. So it's an incredible opportunity to get really thoughtful about how you spend your time and to change that version of success to Yeah, my version of success is that I have enough time and I have choices over how I spend my time. And I and I choose to invest it in, you know, the people that I love and the things that I love and things that make my life good. That's fantastic. I love it. So Stephanie, how can people work with you and find out more about what you do? Well, my website is called managetoengage.com. So they can find me there or to email me at Stephanie at managetoengage.com. And I'll also send you the link for my Supercharge Your Days course, which I think is such an easy way for people to free up two hours every day and focus a bit more on what they really want to be doing. Mm, Fantastic. Before we finish up, just tell me a little bit about that course and what it's all about. 
So Supercharge Your Days is, it's one of my favorite courses now. I've got lots of courses out there, but I love this one because it's a quick 90 minute course. And it's really all about teaching people a system so that they can be way more effective with their time and they can um, make different choices about what they're doing. So it's got three modules. The first is the change made easy method. So it's really about helping people make change in a way that doesn't rely on willpower and is so much simpler. The second module is the free your time framework. So really simple systems, ways of doing things differently so that you can free up at least two hours every day. I've had some clients come back to me and say like, I am easily saving four or five hours a day. And then the last is the supercharge your day system where it's really about that system is again, a step-by-step, -step, super easy, practical, small little things you can do every day that not only free up two hours every day, but also give you energy and focus and attention because that's, we run out of those things too. It's not always time that we run out of. Sometimes we're running out of our energy or we're running out of our focus. So it's been really fun to see the results people are getting with that and, and how much it's changing people's lives. So that's been, it's a, it's a fun course for people to do. And I, I love that it's 90 minutes because it's really bite-sized and it gives people really practical results. That's awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. This is like one of my favorite things to talk about in the world. So I really appreciate it. Who else is about to go check their social media scream time reports? You can connect with Stephanie by visiting her website and find out more about her courses and books through the links in the show notes. Thank you for being part of the Mindset Mastery community. If you've been enjoying the show, it would mean so much if you took a moment to leave a review on your podcast app. I can't wait to have your company again next time. Until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.